0: It's June the 16th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. You know, a few weeks ago, I got a note from someone. They put it on a YouTube comment. They said, thank you, Pastor Ray. I can't believe it. We are already one-third of the way through the Bible. Well, that was a few weeks ago. I think we can update that now. Here we are, June the 16th. That means we're only two weeks away from being one half of the way through all the Word of God. So what a joy, what a thrill it has been. Now, today we are deep into First Chronicles. And I was thinking to myself, if you start naming the little known books of the Old Testament, you don't hear much about first and second chronicles because it's a retelling from a particular point of view of details that are found in 2 Samuel, and then First and Second Kings. And yet, the viewpoint that's taken here, remember, it is written by, we believe, by Ezra about the year 430 BC to the generations who had returned from Babylon, their kids and grandkids and great-grandkids had come back to a world completely dominated by the Gentile nations. Has God forgotten his promises? Has God has God forgotten about the promised son of David the coming messiah and would the temple rebuilt by Zerubbabel which was only a shadow of Solomon's temple would that temple ever be glorious again yes it would be the answer to all the questions is yes and what's going on here in first and second chronicles is a reminder from the past look at what God has done for Israel in the past that ought to teach us that ought to encourage us to believe that all that he has done is a reminder that as we move into the future, though right now the Jews might feel completely overwhelmed living in living in a world completely dominated by the Gentile empires around them, one day the temple would be glorious even better than that. One day the promised Messiah, the son of David, Jesus Christ, would come to the earth. So it's a creative retelling of Israel's history, and the focus here in 1 Samuel, after we get through the genealogy part, is on David himself. And so now we come to a central part of that story, 1 Chronicles 17, 18, and 19. Let's just pick it up, and you'll get it very quickly. 1 Chronicles 17, when David had settled into his palace, he said to the prophet Nathan, look, I am living in a cedar house while the ark of the Lord's covenant is under tent curtains. So Nathan told David, do all that is on your mind, for God is with you. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go to David, my servant, and say, this is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. From the time I brought Israel out of Egypt until today, I have not dwelt in a house. Instead, I have moved from one tent site to another and from one tabernacle location to another. In all my journeys throughout Israel, have I ever spoken a word to even one of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, asking, why haven't you built me a house of cedar? So now, this is what you were to say to my servant David. This is what the Lord of armies says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before you. I will make a name for you like that of the greatest name on earth. I will designate a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and not be disturbed again. Evildoers will not continue to oppress them as they have done ever since the day I ordered judges to be over my people Israel. I will also subdue all your enemies. Furthermore, I declare to you that the Lord himself will build a house for you. When your time comes to be with your ancestors, I will raise up after you, your descendant, who is one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will not remove my faithful love from him as I removed it from the one who was before you. I will appoint him over my house and my kingdom forever, and his throne will be established forever." Nathan reported all these words and this entire vision to David. Then King David went in, sat in the Lord's presence and said, Who am I, Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? This was a little thing to you, God, for you have spoken about your servant's house in the distant future. You regard me as a man of distinction, Lord God. What more can David say to you for honoring your servant? You know your servant. Lord, you have done this whole great thing making known all these great promises for the sake of your servant and according to your will. Lord, there is no one like you, and there is no God besides you, as all we have heard confirms, and who is like your people Israel? God, you came to one nation on earth to redeem a people for yourself, to make a name for yourself through great and awesome works by driving out nations before Your people you redeemed from Egypt. You made your people Israel, your own people forever. And you, Lord, have become their God now, Lord. Let the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and his house be confirmed forever and do as you have promised. Let your name be confirmed and magnified forever in the saying, the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, is God over Israel. May the house of your servant David be established before you, since you, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build him a house. Your servant has found courage to pray in your presence. Lord, you indeed are God, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. So now you have been pleased to bless your servant's house that it may continue before you forever. For you, Lord, have blessed it, and it is blessed forever. That's a great prayer. That's how a man of God prays. He not only accepts God's decision that David himself won't build the house for the Lord, he not only accepts it, he rejoices in it, in the confidence that what God has said is best and it will be done. First Chronicles 18. After this, David defeated the Philistines, subdued them, and took Gath and its surrounding villages from Philistine control. He also defeated the Moabites, and they became David's subjects and brought tribute. David also defeated King Hadadezer of Zobah and Hamath when he went to establish his control at the Euphrates River. David captured one thousand chariots, seven thousand horsemen, and twenty thousand foot soldiers from him. Hamstrung all the horses and kept a hundred chariots. When the Arameans of Damascus came to assist King Hadadezer of Zobah, David struck down twenty-two thousand Aramean men. Then he placed garrisons in Aram of Damascus, and the Arameans became David's subjects and brought tribute. The Lord made David victorious wherever he went. David took the gold shields carried by Hadadezer's officials and brought them to Jerusalem. From, Tip, from Tiphath and Kun, Hadadezer's cities, David also took huge quantities of bronze, from which Solomon made the bronze basin, the pillars, and the bronze articles. When King Two of Hamath heard that David had defeated the entire army of king Hadadezer of Zobai, he sent his son Hadorim to King David to greet him and to congratulate him because David had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him for two, and Hadadezer had fought many wars. Hadorim brought all kinds of gold, silver, and bronze items. David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver and gold he'd carried off from all the nations, from Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, and the Amalekites. Abishai, son of Zeruah, struck down 18,000 Edomites in the Salt Valley. He put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites were subject to David. The Lord made David victorious wherever he went. So, David reigned over all Israel, administering justice and righteousness for all his people. Joab, son of Zeruah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was court historian. Zadok, son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, son of Abiathar, were priests. Shavshah, was court secretary. Benaiah son of Jehoiada was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. And David's sons were the chief officials at the king's side. First Chronicles 19 Sometime later, King Nahash of the Ammonites died and his son became king in his place. Then David said, I'll show kindness to Hanun, son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. So, David sent messengers to console him concerning his father. However, when David's emissaries arrived in the land of the Ammonites to console him, the Ammonite leaders said to Hanun, just because David has sent men with condolences for you, do you really believe he's showing respect for your father? Instead, haven't his emissaries come in order to scout out, overthrow, and spy on the land? So Hanun took David's emissaries, shaved them, cut their clothes in half at the hips, and sent them away it was reported to David about his men. So he sent messengers to meet them since the men were deeply humiliated. The king said, stay in Jericho until your beards grow back, then return. When the Ammonites realized they had made themselves repulsive to David, Hanun and the Ammonites sent 38 tons of silver to hire chariots and horsemen from Aram Naharaim, Aram Akah, and Zobah. They hired 32,000 chariots and the king of Akah with his army who came and camped near Medeba. The Ammonites also came together from their cities for the battle. David heard all about this sent Joab and all the elite troops. The Ammonites marched out and lined up in battle formation at the entrance of the city, while the kings who had come were in the field by themselves. When Joab saw that there was a battle line in front of him and another behind him, he chose some of Israel's finest young men and lined up in formation to engage the Arameans he placed the rest of the forces under the command of his brother abishai they lined up in formation to engage the ammonites if the arameans are too strong for me joab said then you'll be my help however if the ammonites are too strong for you i'll help you be strong let's prove ourselves strong for our people and for the cities of our god may the lord's will be done joab and the people with him approached the arameans for battle and they fled before him when the Ammonites saw that the Arameans had fled, they likewise fled before Joab's brother Abishot and entered the city. Then Joab went to Jerusalem. When the Arameans realized that they had been defeated by Israel, they sent messengers to summon the Arameans who were beyond the Euphrates River. They were led by uh, Shophat, the commander of Hadadezer's army. When this was reported to David, he gathered all Israel and crossed the Jordan. He came up against the Arameans and lined up against them. When David lined up to engage them, they fought against him. But the Arameans fled before Israel, and David killed seven thousand of the charioteers and forty thousand horse soldiers. He also killed Shophak, commander of the army. When Hadadezer's subjects saw that they'd been defeated by Israel, they made peace with David and became his subjects. After this, the Arameans were never willing to help the Ammonites again. Well they learned their lesson the hard way let me there's a lot here obviously god's hand is on david god's hand is blessing david david would make peace was ready to make peace but his attitude was if you don't want peace we'll make war and the lord was on his side and so they rolled from victory to victory victory to victory It is true when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. But sometimes your enemies don't want to be at peace with you. Sometimes you got to go to war. And, well, David here is victorious over and over again. One final word, and we're done for today. I I want to go back to that chapter 17, the great prayer. This is an amazing prayer of David. He wanted to build the building. He had the idea. He had the dream. God says, no, you're not the man. Now, your descendant will be, and I'll make sure you have an everlasting kingdom and you won't lack for anybody on the throne, but you're not the one that's going to build the house for me. You know, you find out a lot about yourself when your dreams don't come true. I mean, anybody can have faith in God when you have some idea or some plan and God blesses you and you get everything that you hope for. You find something else out. Something is revealed when your prayers aren't answered, when the way forward isn't clear, when you intend to go this way and the way is blocked. uh, Then you find out, will you turn away from the Lord? Were you only in it to get your dreams fulfilled? Or are you willing to serve God even when things have not worked out as you expected? David was a great, great man. He was ready to serve the Lord. He was completely ready to get the bulldozers ready, so to speak, and clear the ground and, and build the great temple. But if it was going to be his son Solomon, if that's the way it was going to be, that's okay with David too. He will do all he can. And when the time comes, he'll step off the scene and his son will finish the work and complete the dream. What a great thing. What a great To be able to say, Lord, these are my plans, and these are my dreams. This is what I hope to do. Nevertheless, Lord, let it be your will and your way. So may that be our watchword today. Lord, I got my plans. I got my ideas. I got my plans for today. It doesn't matter. Lord, here it is. I lay it all before you. But may it be your will and your way that it's done in my life today. Let us then say that and go out into this day with that attitude. It's going to be a great day if we will say, Lord, your will and your way be done. Go out, friends. Have a great, wonderful day. Come back. We've got a lot more to talk about in First Chronicles. See you tomorrow.